Hallelujah. Amen. Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Numbers chapter 13. Praise God. I'm excited about what God is doing. Amen. 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 Praise God. Sometimes we, like I said, we can get discouraged. Amen. Because some things happen that we would rather not happen. Amen. This afternoon, I, I've had a really bad leaking uh, power steering hose. It's my pressure line. And uh, this afternoon, as I turned into my parking spot at the restaurant, it decided that it was going to just go. Praise God. So, amen. Not power steering cars without power steering, amen, are an adventure. Hallelujah. Lord protected us. You can ask my wife. I called on his name many times. Amen. Praise God. Had a good arm workout. I told Brother Brandon if he needed an upper body workout, he could take my car for a drive around the block. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. But God is good. He's good all the time. Numbers 13 and 1. The Lord spake unto Moses, saying... Send thou men that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel. Of every tribe of their fathers shall ye send a man, every one a ruler among them. And Moses, by the commandment of the Lord, sent them from the wilderness of Paran. All those men were heads of the children of Israel. Skipping to verse 25. And they returned from searching of the land after 40 days. <clears throat> and they went, came to Moses and to Aaron, to all the congregation of the children of Israel, unto the wilderness of Paran, to Kadesh, and brought back word unto them, and unto all the congregation, and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him and said, We came unto the land whither thou sentest us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land. The cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there, the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites, and the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. <clears throat> and Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched under the children of Israel, saying, the land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw in it are men of a great stature. And there we saw the giants, the son of, sons of Anak, which come of the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. And so we were in their sight. Praise God. <clears throat> Amen. A familiar story to most of us tonight. But for a little bit tonight... I want to preach on the subject, possessing the promised land. Possessing the promised land. Amen. Can you just put your hands in the air? Ask God to have his way in this place. I love you, Jesus. God, we just ask, Lord, that your perfect will would be done in this place, God. Lord, that you would have your way in this place, Jesus. God, we need your touch, your help tonight, Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. God, we ask it in your name, God. 
Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Lord, you are wonderful and mighty, Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Glory to God, glory to God. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Amen, amen. And you may be seated. Amen. So good to be with you all in the house of the Lord. Amen. And this may sound strange, but I do want to say hello to those. Amen. There's some folks listening in tonight from Prince Edward Island, Canada. Amen. I just want to say hello to them, even though they can't say hi back. Praise God. Hallelujah. Read here about the children of Israel. They had a promised land. It was a land that was promised to them by God. God had promised Abraham and said that everywhere he traveled, his people would possess the land. And uh, Abraham never possessed it. Well, praise God. He traveled through it. He lived in it. He dwelt there. Amen. He had to buy a burial plot so that they could be buried in land that they owned. And, uh, but, but it was an inheritance to his people. And, uh, and as time went on, and, and to make a long story short, of course, Joseph ended up in Egypt in the time of famine. He brought his family down there to take care of them in Egypt. And there they began to grow until they became a great nation. Amen. The Egyptians were worried about them because of their strength. And so they enslaved them and they were their taskmaster. And they were cruel taskmasters to the people of God. And uh, they were pretty rough on them and, uh, and made their life more difficult until God brought them a deliverer. Amen. And Moses, there he was on the backside of the desert. Moses, who was raised in the house of Pharaoh. And some even seem to think that maybe that, eh, that Moses could have been the next Pharaoh. I don't know about that. But I do know that he was raised in a place of plenty. He was raised with everything that he wanted. But when Moses came to age, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Choosing to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. He was raised in the house of Pharaoh, but he said, I am not a child of Pharaoh's daughter. I am a child of God. I am an Israelite. I'm not of this household. <laughs> Hallelujah. Though if he would have said, I'm a child of Pharaoh's daughter, his life would have been a life of ease, a life of plenty. But he said, no, I'm not a child of Pharaoh's daughter. He said, I'm a child of God. So he, he was going around and he saw his people being oppressed. And, uh, and so he saw an Egyptian smite an Israelite. And he, he went over and smote him back and killed him. Amen. He hit him. And he thought he was taking care. He was going to deliver God's people his way. And there they were. And uh, the next day he comes up on two Israelites that have squared off. And he, he goes to break them. And they said, what are you going to do is kill us too? And all of a sudden fear struck the life of Moses. And he realized that if Pharaoh found out, he was a dead man. And so he fled to the backside of the desert. And that was where God came to him and sent him back to deliver his people. Because God had heard the cries of his people. Hallelujah. You know, sometimes we get in a place of oppression. We get in a place of depression. 
We get in a place where nothing seems to be going right and we're crying out to God. And it seems like God's not hearing us. Can I tell you that God hears your every cry? Mm, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I, I tell you what, the, the, the subject that we're into tonight is something that I've been dwelling on for a long time. It's this thing called spiritual warfare. I tell you what, there's a battle that goes on every day of our life. There's a battle going on in the spirit realm. Hallelujah. I believe it was Daniel who prayed and nothing happened for 21 days until his answer came. And that angel said, you know what? We heard you the first day, but there was a prince that came up against us. It took us three weeks to get past it. Just because your answer hasn't come yet doesn't mean it's not on the way. You just got to keep pressing, keep reaching out. Your answer's coming. Your cry. He's hearing the cry of your heart. Don't give up. Don't give up. Amen. That whip may be biting your back, and you're down there in oppression, and you're crying out, and you wonder where God is. Your answer's on the way. Your answer's on the way. Just keep believing. Hey, man, there came Moses. He walked into the, into the presence of Pharaoh, him and Aaron. And he said, you know what? Lord told us to come and tell you to let my people go. Right, right. <laughs> He's like, yeah, whatever. Right. Ten plagues later, he said, get yourself, get your children, get your belongings, and get out of here. Right. Right. Let me tell you something. That's how God fights a battle for you. Woo. God kept hardening his heart and hardening his heart. He, he would go to let go. And he said, no, nah, I'm not going to let you go. God, God just kept hardening his heart because God wanted to deliver them completely. Hallelujah. So after that Passover came by in their grief and sorrow of losing their firstborn, he told them to get out, and they went and they looted Egypt. Well, read your Bible. Hey, man, they, he, he told them to go borrow jewels from their neighbors. Go borrow this and go borrow that. Hey, man, so they went and borrowed it, and when they left, they just kept it. Hey, man, and God had said, we're going to spoil that country. Well, hallelujah. And so there they were, heading out. They came to a fork in the road. This is something that, I don't know, I overlooked, I guess, for a long time until just a couple months ago. They came to a fork in the road, and God sent them on the way that he knew the enemy would overtake them. Amen. The other way, they could have gone and hid themselves and got away. But he took them away that they couldn't get away because he had a plan. You know, sometimes we, we get in that little place of, it seems like we have victory. Hey, remember that enemy's still there coming up behind us. God's got a plan. And there they were staring the Red Sea in the face. Mountains on one side, and there was old Pharaoh coming up behind them. 
And they said to Moses, what did you do to bring us out here to die? He said, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. The enemy you see today, you'll see him no more forever. He got his staff and raised it out over the Red Sea. And God caused that wind to start blowing and pile that ocean uh, sea up. And uh, the next morning they woke up and there was a highway right through the middle of the sea. Woo! And they went off and started on their way across. And Pharaoh came to it. He said, hey, if it worked for them, it'll work for us. And he took off after them. But Moses turned back around. And God caused that sea to close up on the armies of Pharaoh. And the armies of Pharaoh and his head, they were wiped out completely. I tell you what, sometimes God works something out and it doesn't make sense to us because that enemy's still coming behind us. But hold on for just a minute. If you went another direction, maybe someday down the road, that enemy would catch back up with you. But if you go God's way, he'll wipe them out forever. Amen. There wasn't an army to chase them any longer. Well, praise God. Amen. God caused them to dry, cross on dry land. Amen. They came to that wilderness area. And finally they worked their way across to the passage of Scripture we read about in Numbers, the 13th chapter. They're right there at the promised land. That land that God promised to them. It, it belonged to them. It was theirs. Now it was inhabited. There were folks that lived there. Amen. All the cities were occupied. It was occupied when Abraham traveled through it. And it was still occupied when the children of Israel were standing there by the river Jordan. Well, but God had promised it to them. He told Moses, he said, pick you out one man from every tribe, a ruler, a leader, and send them in to spy out the land. And they came back and they said, well, it's truly a land that flows with milk and honey. It's carrying a cluster of grapes that took two men to carry it. Hey, man, you could feast on that for a couple days. Hey, man, but they said, but nevertheless, it's a great place. But the people that are there are very strong. And moreover, we saw the sons of Anak. There's giants there. And they began to name off all the different ones that were living there. They said, they're stronger than we are. Well, you know, they were, sl they were former slaves. They, they didn't have any military training. They didn't know how to fight. But Caleb stilled the people. They was getting worked up. And he, he sold on a minute. He said, let us go up at once and possess it. For we are well able to overcome it. Let us go up right now. We don't need to wait. We don't need to talk about it. Let's just turn around and go. Because we're able. And the other men said, we are not able. So we had conflicting opinions. There were two that said, let's go. There was ten that said, there ain't a chance. Amen. They brought up an evil report. Hallelujah. He said, there's no way we can conquer this land. Yeah, there's milk and honey there. Yeah, it's a beautiful place. 
But I want to tell you, we saw giants there. And we were as grasshoppers in our own sight and in theirs. That scripture has always just worked me up a little bit. Because they didn't have any idea how the children of Anak saw them. You know what they were doing? They were using an active imagination. They saw those big giants and they said, well, surely they think we're just like grasshoppers. And man, that's a big man there. I don't stand a chance against him in combat. Well, but it was about their perspective. They saw themselves as small and insignificant. They knew that they didn't have that military training. They, they didn't know how to fight. Yeah, they may have fist fought a little bit, but when it came to those military actions, they, they didn't know what they were doing. And they didn't see that they had any chance in a personal battle against these giants. But what they forgot was who had promised them that land in the first place. They forgot who was going to be the one that was fighting for them. They said, man, we don't know how to fight. They forgot about the God who had just a few days before wiped the whole army out. They lost their perspective. They got to focusing in on themselves and their own abilities and they forgot about the one who had promised this land to them. They forgot that the almighty God was on their side. Caleb and Joshua said, hey, let's go up right now because they had an understanding of who was really going to be the one doing the fighting. They knew that if God had promised them the land, that God would provide them with the means to victory. Woo. Unfortunately, these people listened to the evil report, and God was angry with them, and he turned them around and sent them into a wilderness to die. Every man over the age of 20 years old was to die in the wilderness save Joshua and Caleb. They went out into that wilderness spending a total of 40 years there burying an entire generation. They were burying the doubters. Woo. They were burying the murmurers. Woo. Hallelujah. I tell you what, we better be careful whose voice we're listening to. Because there are doubters and stoppers on every side. Hallelujah. But I want to tell you something. If God has promised anything, it doesn't matter what the doubters say but if we're not careful those doubters can come in and destroy our faith hallelujah 
Amen. I, I, I've got a good friend that has a friend, and I like the man. I've spent time talking with him, but I'm telling you, he never, he never sees the positive in anything. It's negative, 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 negative. Amen. And another friend of his, he, they was always all together at lunch one day, and this guy come in, and they was talking about an idea, and he, I'm telling you, he tore it down one side and up the other. He just shredded it. And when he walked away, the guy looked at us and said, man, that man makes me just want to shoot myself in the face. <laughs> it's been a big joke with us ever since. But he just, I'm telling you, by the time you're done talking to him, you're so discouraged, you don't even have the energy to walk to your car. Praise God. But there are folks that way in the spiritual. They're the ones that their first priority is going to the hospital rather than to the obeying the scripture and calling for the elder to come anoint them with oil and pray the prayer of faith over them. Because, man, it's never happened before. I might as well just go to the doctor. Hope I didn't step on too many toes right there. Amen. But the Bible says that if we will call for the elders of the church, they will come and anoint us with oil. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. He suffered the stripes upon his back for our healing. Well, praise the Lord. Amen. But doubters can step in and tear our faith to pieces. And that's what happened here. And they all went out and died in the wilderness, never having seen the promised land. Because of their doubt and unbelief. Well, hallelujah. Praise God. It's took me a long time to get here. This is where I've been trying to get to all night. Joshua came back with them. With a different generation. With some folks that had faith in God. <clears throat> they got to the river Jordan. And, and priests, Levites carrying that ark stepped into the river Jordan. It just stopped. And they walked across on dry land. As long as those men stood there, that water just piled up. They walked up and came up against Jericho. Amen. I preached about it this morning. And we're going to read another scripture today. We're going to go through several scriptures here of what happened uh, when Joshua led these men up against these uh, cities that had these other men scared to death. In Joshua chapter 2 and verse 10, it says, For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you. This is Rahab talking to those two spies. When you came out of Egypt and what she did unto the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side of Jordan, Sihon, and Og, whom ye utterly destroyed. Amen. These were the cities that they were scared of. They said, We are scared. Our hearts melted for fear. Because we heard what your God did. Joshua 6 and 21 in Jericho, they utterly destroyed all that was in the city, both man and woman, young and old, and ox and sheep and ass with the edge of the sword. They utterly destroyed. They came up against Ai. Now, of course, we understand that Achan had sinned. He, had, he took some silver, some gold, some Babylon, some Jericho garments, some, some, and he hid them in his tent. And so they sent a few men up against this little town called Ai, and Ai whooped them. And Joshua said, man, what's going on? There was sin in the camp. And they found out where the sin was, and they took care of the sin. And, uh, and they went back up against Ai in Joshua 8 and 26. For Joshua drew not his hand back, wherewith he stretched out the spear, until he had utterly destroyed all 
the inhabitants of Ai. You say, this is bloody. It gets better. Joshua 10 and 28. And that day Joshua took Makedah and smote it with the edge of the sword. And the king thereof, he utterly destroyed them and all the souls that were therein. He let none remain. And he did to the king of Makedah as he did unto the king of Jericho. If you go back just a few verses of scripture in Joshua 10, you can find out there was five kings that rose up against Joshua. And he took it. He killed all five of them too. In Joshua 10 and 34. And from Lachish, Joshua passed unto Eglon and all Israel with him. And they encamped against it and fought against it. And they took it on that day and smote it with the edge of the sword. And all the souls that were therein he utterly destroyed that day. According to all that he had done to Lachish. Verse number 37. And they took it and smote it with the edge of the sword and the king thereof. And all the cities thereof and all the souls that were therein. He left none remaining according to all that he had done to Eglon. But destroyed it utterly. And all the souls that were therein. Verse 39. And he took it and the king thereof. And all the cities thereof. And they smote them with the edge of the sword and utterly destroyed all the souls that were therein. He left none remaining as he had done to Hebron, so he did to Deber and to the king thereof, as he had done also to Libna and to her king. Joshua was not having mercy. He was going to possess a promised land. Verse number 40 of Joshua 10. So Joshua smote all the country of the hills and of the south and of the vale and of the springs and all their kings. He left none remaining, but utterly destroyed all that breathed as the Lord God of Israel commanded. Hallelujah. Joshua 11 and 11. And they smote all the souls that were therein with the edge of the sword. Utterly destroying them, there was not any left to breathe. And he burnt Hazor with fire. And all the cities of those kings and all the kings of them did Joshua take and smote them with the edge of the sword. And he utterly destroyed them as Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded. But as for the cities that stood still in their strength, Israel burned none of them save Hazor only. That did Joshua burn. And all the spoil of these cities and the cattle the children of Israel took for a prey unto themselves. But every man they smote with the edge of the sword until they had destroyed them Neither left they any to breathe. Hallelujah. Joshua 10 and 11. It's kind of bloody chapters. Amen. Joshua was obeying some commandments from God. Because he wanted to possess a promised land. The Anakims who had caused such fear. That those spies said, man, I tell you, we were as grasshoppers in their sight. Joshua 11 and 21. And at that time came Joshua and cut off the Anakims from the mountains, from Hebron, from Deber, from Anab, and from all the mountains of Judah, from all the mountains of Israel. <clears throat> Joshua destroyed them utterly with their cities. There was none of the Anakims left in the land of the children of Israel. Only in Gaza and Gath and in Ashdod there remained. So Joshua took the whole land according to all the Lord said unto Moses. Joshua gave it for an inheritance unto Israel according to their divisions by their tribes. And the land rested from war. 
Well, praise God. Joshua took Israel and led them into that promised land. And he led them to victory after victory after victory after victory. But the key that I see in these scriptures is that he did not just go in and defeat the enemy. But when he went in there, he destroyed them. He didn't leave some that looked so innocent because he understood that they may look innocent today, but tomorrow they may pick up a sword and come back in after them again. Woo! He said, I ain't leaving any of them. And he went in there and utterly destroyed them. He wiped them out that they could rest from war. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. I'll tell you what, there's times when we come up against some enemies. Hmm. And we get out there, we go to fighting, and we beat them back a little bit. We get some space, and we're like, We've won the victory. Amen. But that enemy sneaks off somewhere and they dig themselves into a cave where they can bind up their wounds and they can practice a little bit better. And one day we're going through life, everything's good. And here comes that same enemy again. Oh, hallelujah. If we're going to possess the promised land, We've got to destroy some enemies. I, I'm sorry, but I don't believe it's the will of God for us to fight the same enemy over and over and over and over and over and over and over. Hallelujah. When you've got that enemy down on the ground and you've whooped up on him, don't let him back up again. Hallelujah. Hey, man, back in my younger years, I loved to wrestle. And there were some guys that if I got them down, you better believe I wasn't going to let go. Because it's the fact that I got them down was half a miracle. And if they were going to get back up, I knew I was in trouble, so I hang on for dear life. We used to wrestle tap outs, amen, until you hurt somebody until they quit. It's crazy, but it's, I was younger then. Amen. Now if someone just grabbed me, I'd probably hurt bad enough to quit. But, but I tell you what, there's some guys, you, once you got that hold, you better not let go. But you better fight to the finish. Whew. And I'll tell you what, there's some giants that have defied the armies of God. They defied the church of the living God. And we've gone on the attack. And they've been wounded and down on the battlefield. And we rejoiced. But we didn't take the sword out and cut off their heads. And all of a sudden, some years down the road or some days down the road, we find ourselves facing the same enemy. God. You can read about it in 1 Samuel chapter number 15, verse number 3. God speaking to King Saul. He said, now go and smite Amalek. Utterly destroy all that they have and spare them not. But slay both man and woman, infant and suckling, ox and sheep, camel and ass. You say, that is horrible. That was a commandment from God. It was a judgment from God. But in verse 8, 
It says, and he took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive. And utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag, the best of the sheep and the oxen, the fatlings and the lambs, and all that was good, and would not utterly destroy them. But everything that was vile and refuse, that they destroyed utterly. He let some live. He disobeyed a direct commandment from God. You say, well, what is the significance in that? I find it in 2 Samuel chapter 1 and verse 6. A young man came to David and said, the young man that told him, said, as I happened by chance upon Mount Gilboa, behold, Saul leaned upon his spear, and lo, the chariots and horsemen followed hard after him. And when he looked behind him, he saw me and called unto me. I answered, here am I. He said unto me, who art thou? And I answered him, I am an Amalekite. He said unto me again, stand, I pray thee, upon me and slay me. For anguish has come upon me because my life is yet whole in me. So I stood upon him and slew him. Because I was sure that he could not live after that he was fallen. And I took the crown that was upon his head. The bracelet was on his arm and have brought them hither unto my Lord. If you read that actual story in when Saul was on Mount Gilboa. The Bible said that he was yet full But an Amalekite, whom he was to utterly destroy, and did not. He was wounded. He had fell on his own sword. And this young Amalekite came up. According to this version of his story, he slew Saul. Praise God. Hallelujah. That is the risk we're taking when we're trying to get our promised land. And we've got them beat. We've got them defeated. But we have some mercy. And we don't destroy the enemy. We're taking the chance. That that enemy will recover and turn around and come in and kill us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I believe tonight that we have a promised land. It's a land of plenty, it's a land of revival. It's a land of revival. It's a land of growth. It's not just a dream, but I believe it is a promise. Hallelujah. God has definite plans for his church. Amen. And God has promised us things. Hallelujah. There are things in the word of God that he has promised to us. And there's no reason why we can't step out at once and possess it. Hallelujah. 
There's an enemy that doesn't want us to, and they're trying to intimidate us, and they may look like a big old giant, but I want to tell you that God has promised it to us, and there ain't no giant of this world that can stop us from possessing the land. But you don't understand the giant that I'm up against. How do you don't understand my God? Because greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. It don't matter how big the giant is. It don't matter how long he's been there. My God is greater. My God is greater. Hallelujah. You know, David, when he fought Goliath, and that stone hit him and sunk into his forehead, and he went down. Hey, man, David didn't just rejoice. In fact, he didn't rejoice at all yet. But he went and took Goliath's sword, lifted it up as high as he could, and made sure that Goliath wasn't going to get up and defy him again. He destroyed him. Now I'm going to tell you, and we probably all know this, but I'm going to tell you anyways, that a young man, however old David was, he was a young man anyways, a man would, should not have prevailed against a giant that was a champion of many a battle. In fact, he himself said, what, he sent out a dog? David said, you know what? You come to me with a spear and a sword. But I come to you in the name of the Lord. Ooh. And that is the key today. It'll be the key tomorrow. The next day. The next week. The next month. The next year. They can come at us with a spear and a sword. We're going to come in the name of the Lord. Hmm. Hallelujah. Dictionary.com defines this word destroy as to reduce an object to useless fragments, a useless form or remains as by rending, burning, or dissolving, injure beyond repair or renewal, demolish, ruin, annihilate, to put an end to extinguish, to kill, slay. To render ineffective or useless, nullify, neutralize, invalidate. To defeat completely. Hallelujah. That's what we need to do tonight to some enemies. That's what we need to do tonight to some strongholds. Woo. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I'll tell you what, I'll just be a little bit plain with you tonight. I'm sick and tired of the enemy having strongholds that are holding back the church of the living God when we've got the power of the Almighty God. I'm tired of buttoning up against the same stronghold over and over and over and over. 
2 Corinthians 10 and 3, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. This is not a physical battle that we're in. It don't matter how many guns you own or how big they are. They're not going to help you in this warfare. This isn't a physical war. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Hallelujah. I tell you what. Hey, man, we've got some weapons tonight. Hey, man, it's time to use them. We've got some weapons in our possession tonight. It doesn't do us any good to have them in our possession if we don't use them. You say, well, I'm not sure if I know how. Well, well, hello. Amen. If you don't know how to use them, amen, we'll try to help you a little bit. Praise God. I've known some folks that own weapons that probably shouldn't have. So I don't know if they even knew which end to point. Amen. Didn't know how to use it. Didn't know how to load it. Amen. It ain't no good to have a shotgun if you don't know how to put the shells in it. I guess you'd use it as a club, but there's cheaper clubs, I promise you. <laughs> the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations. Ooh. Casting down imaginations. I don't know about you, but I've got a pretty active imagination. Amen. I, I grew up having to play outside, and amen, we didn't have video games or nothing like that to play. We just went outside and made up stuff. Amen. My kids have a bunch of toys. Amen. Too many. I've threatened to get rid of them, and someday I will. Praise God. But I had this shop up in Canada, and I'd go out and do some woodworking, and Hey Amen. I had a furnace out there, and so I'd back the car out of the garage. It kind of did double duty, and, and they'd have that side, and they'd come out and play. And here they got this whole toy room full of toys, and they'd come out in the garage and could play for hours, and they'd play restaurant. They'd take my scraps of wood, and that was steaks. They found some oyster shells, and that, of course, was oysters, and they, they had these trays, and then they, they found an old egg carton and filled it up with golf balls, and that was the eggs. Very active imagination. And they'd have hours of enjoyment. Praise God. Every time a piece of wood hit the ground, they're like, can I have it? It's like, no, that's what I'm trying to use. Just hold on. I'll give you something in a minute. They needed more steaks. Praise God. But they had an imagination. Amen. And well, praise God. Any of y'all ever slept in a church?
Any of y'all ever walked in here about two or three in the morning all by yourself? Woo. <laughs> Kneel down at the altar. And man, you've got a burden until you hear something creak. Then it's like, you know what? I think I'm going to walk and pray. <laughs> Man, I don't dream very often, but a few months ago I had one. I had just read a Louis L'Amour book, and uh, I had a dream. Hey, man, the enemy was coming in. And I woke up, and I heard, he lived in a house that was 120 years old, on one side and then it had an addition that was built 80 years ago so it wasn't new construction and so there was a little bit of settling that went on and and there was some noise and no sooner did I had that dream than I heard somebody in the house and I laid there in bed thinking okay what do I have at my disposal and I came to the conclusion I didn't have nothing so I went creeping down the stairs, creak, 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 because there's no creeping anywhere. There's nothing there because my imagination had taken wild. And I'll tell you what, our imagination can get caught wild in our walk with God. Casting down imaginations, every high thing. That, it, that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Whew. Hallelujah. Our weapons are not carnal, but they're mighty through God. What are our weapons? What, what do we have at our disposal? Well, according to my Bible, we have a sword. Hmm. Say, but I don't know my Bible very good. Well, can I give you a little advice from somebody whose opinion don't mean much? Get to know your Bible. Because when Jesus himself endured temptation, Every time the devil tempted him, he said, it is written. Because this is our sword. This is our weapon. When that enemy rears his ugly head up, this is the sword we can use to destroy him. Well, do we believe that tonight? This is our sword. This is our weapon. Yeah, there's some other things we've got called prayer. Talking to God. Yes, we've got to do that. I'm going to make a bold statement tonight that probably none of us pray as much as we need to. Amen. We do pray. I understand that. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to tear you down at all tonight. Uh, but we've got to pray more than we've ever prayed before. Because that enemy's popping his head up more than he ever has before. And you better be prayed up. Uh, you better be in your nose in the 
the word of God that you can answer him. You better push your plate back and fast. You say, well, we do two fast days a week. That's great. But you might want to do some on your own too to get yourself right. We're in a warfare tonight and we've got to do everything we can because I want to possess the land. I want to possess the promise. Hallelujah. Mm. We bought a house in Canada. And uh, the process took forever. It's supposed to be 30 days. I think we ended up waiting almost three months from the time we started, two and a half, something like that. And uh, we would go up there and uh, we'd walk around, look in the windows. We'd drive over there and look around the outside and make plans, try to peek through the windows to figure out. Now, I, I didn't care about this part, but figure out what colors we're going to paint the walls and, and all that real important stuff hallelujah but we just on the outside looking in and really it wasn't very satisfying amen it just wasn't but the day that we drove to the lawyer's office and I came out with a key took a picture of it and it went straight to Instagram <laughs> amen I had my key and we went straight to the house unlocked the door and walked in because we possessed it it was ours walked through it didn't have to worry about tracking dirt in there anymore because it was ours possessed it it's kind of like when you're buying a car amen test drive it I sold cars for two months I pray I never have to again not saying anything to our brother over here just wasn't my deal he sells new anyways I believe I sold used that's a slimy job. <laughs> Praise God. News better. Because used, they expect you to lie about every car. It's kind of hard to be a preacher and them telling you, go tell them this. I'm like, was it true? They're like, sure. <laughs> Amen. But there were some people that <clears throat> took a little extra time to get their financing in place. But every day they would come and look at the car. We had all ours unlocked. So they'd climb in and sit in it, smell it, adjust the seat. And they'd leave. And the next day is the same deal again. Until finally they got in and drove away their car. I sold a kid his first car. Hey, man, he saved up his money, paid cash for it. He was so proud of that thing. He drove away. 
He stopped in the parking lot, got out, looked at it again, walked around it, got back in, drove away. It was his. He possessed it. It's one thing to look in the window. It's another thing to possess it. I wonder tonight if there are some that are just looking in the window. Just looking in the window of what could be. This isn't how I thought this message would go tonight. Are we looking in a window? Are we like the children of Israel? I wonder how many of them, after that judgment came down, that you're going to go back out there and die. I wonder how many of them walked right up to the banks of the Jordan River and looked across it to what could have been. Standing there thinking, man, if only, if only, if only I had listened to those men that brought the good report. If only I would have believed in God. only I would have realized that in that battlefield, yeah, I would have had to go out and fight because God does ask of us to be willing to step out and fight. But really, he was going to be the one going before us. If I would have understood that he was the one that was going to lead us to victory, that over and over and over again, God would have allowed us to destroy city after city after city. Those giants that we thought were so big. <laughs> Those giants that we thought were so huge that we felt we were like grasshoppers when we looked at them. If only I would have realized they were but a small thing for God. I wonder if you'd stand with me tonight. I wonder sometimes if that rich man in the place of torment when he looked and beheld Lazarus lying in Abraham's bosom I wonder tonight if there aren't some as we speak. That are in that place. 
of torment. Who one day, at one time in life, spiritually stood in the same place we are tonight. But they saw a giant that just looked too big. They saw an enemy that just looked too great. And they said, no, we're not able. We're not able to possess it. We're not able. A young rich ruler who so excitedly came to Jesus said, good master, what, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, why callest thou me good? There is none good but God. So what do the prophets say? Keep the commandments. Do not steal, do not kill, do not commit adultery. The young man said, oh. He said, though I've kept those from my youth on up. And Jesus, beholding him, loved him. And said one thing. One thing thou lackest. Sell all that thou hast and give to the poor. Come and take up your cross and follow me. And the young man turned and walked away sad, grieving at that statement, for he had great possessions. That giant was too big for him. And it was one thing. So close. To possessing a promised land. So close. But that giant just looked too big. It's too big. And he went away grieving. How, how much different would the story have been written? If he would have had the spirit of one Zacchaeus. He said, I'll tell you what, not only am I going to pay back everybody I've stole from, I, I'm going to replace it sixfold, tenfold, whatever it was. And Jesus said, today is salvation. Come to this house. He looked a giant in the face and he said, that's fine. I can take that giant. Tonight you've got a giant looking at you. Are you willing to step out and not just defeat him, but destroy him? Not just to knock him down, but once he's down, to utterly destroy. That tomorrow and every day forward, you don't have to worry about that giant anymore. Don't have to worry about that fight anymore because we destroyed him. The only way they could have peace and the land could be free from war was to destroy the enemy. Hallelujah. Praise God. Possessing the promised land possessing 
Caleb and Joshua were two of an entire generation that ever stood foot in that promised land because they didn't care how big the giant was. They didn't care how big them walled cities were. Their confidence was in God. They understood that the, their weapons were mighty through God. Caleb was 85 years old when he came to Joshua and said, you know what? He said, man, I've been fighting with you now for, I think it was five years or something like that. And he said, you know, do you remember that day you were right there, Joshua? When Moses looked at me and said, everywhere your feet have gone, that's going to be your land to possess it. He said, I've dreamed about my mountain for 45 years. Joshua, give me my mountain. His mountain was the one where the giants dwell. Amen. 85 years old. He said, I'm just as strong now as I was back then to go out and to come in. He said, not only am I going to go out there and defeat them, he said, I'm going to come back from the battle. And I'm going to enjoy my mountain. And Joshua gave him his mountain. And Caleb went and drove them out of that mountain. There wasn't a giant too big. Because Caleb had an understanding that it was God that was fighting the battle. And I tell you tonight that God wants to fight your battle for you. God wants to bring you victory. Hallelujah. But what he's waiting for tonight is for you to say, you know what? I'm ready to step out in faith. I've got my sword. I've got on my armor. And that giant looks big. But you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and step out. I'll go ahead and fight. God, you've got to go with me. But I'm going to step out in faith because I'm tired of looking at this same giant. I'm tired of looking at that same stronghold. I'm going to step out in faith because today I want to destroy that enemy. I'm tired of facing I'm tired of fighting him. I want to destroy him now and forever. God, if you'll go with me, I'll take the step of faith. Caleb had to take that step of faith and say, yeah, I'll go. It's time. Hallelujah. Are you willing tonight to take that step of faith that says, I'm going to possess the land. I'm going to possess the land. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You say, but boy, I've, I, you know, I've tried that a few times. I tried that a few times. It just never turned out the way that I wanted it to. Tonight could be the night. Tonight could be your night. Tonight will be your night. If you step out in faith, say, I'm not going to give up. Tonight, can we have the spirit of Jacob who said, I will not let go till you bless me. I will not quit 
till that enemy's down and destroyed. Because I want to possess the promised land. You'd like to come talk to the Lord for a few minutes. This altar is open. Hallelujah. Put your faith in Him. Put your faith in Him. He's a mighty God. And our weapons are mighty through Him. It doesn't matter what the past may have been. It doesn't matter if there's defeats that are behind us. Amen. If we put our confidence in our hope and our strength in God. God can lead us to that victory. God wants to give you that promise, land. He promised it to you. It's time to go up and possess it. It's time to take our sword out. Go and possess the land. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I let some.